Welcome to Your Life and Money, where we believe that financial planning is not just about numbers, it's about your life. I'm Brad Smith, joined always by Tim Barodi, and each episode we'll be sharing stories from real people who have used life-centered planning to achieve their goals and dreams. At Advice First, we believe that the key to financial success is aligning your money with your values and your priorities. And we're here to help you do just that. So sit back, relax, and let's get started on the journey to a life-centered plan. Well, welcome back, Brad. Nice to see you as always. And actually, as we're recording this, it's just after the Canada Day weekend. That's so right. Hope you had a good long weekend and got to enjoy some time with the family. No, we sure did. And I uh, hope the same for you as well. It was a great weekend and yeah, lots of fun. Besides all the rain, but uh, I mean, what can you do about that? Uh, you can still celebrate even though there's rain outside. Exactly. What we want to go through today is um, is the Fiscalosophy tool, and it's a tool we've kind of brought up a couple of times, and I know it's been mentioned in prior episodes. Um, and so actually, the I think the, the best way to describe it, or maybe for people to understand it, and maybe for us to have a little bit of fun as well, is... Um, is you're going to go through my Fiscalosophy report with me. All right. Um, like I was a new prospect or a new client mm-hmm. that, uh, that had completed this. And, um, and yeah, give our listeners a bit of an opportunity to kind of see what some of these conversations are like um, and, and the types of questions that tend to come out of them. Now, again, typically we would do this if it's spouses, Laura would be here with me, but obviously she's not here with us today. We'll let you answer for her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she would love that. <laughs> um, but you do have some of our comparison results because she had done it with me um, when we had completed this. So maybe we can touch on, again, some of those differences. Because, again, I know we've, we've said in the past that those differences are where some of the most interest lies as well. So um, without further ado, I mean, let's jump in and let's have a little bit of fun here. And... Uh, I don't know what you're going to ask me. I mean, I obviously know what I answered, but uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing where this goes. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a shot in the dark, but we'll see what happens here over the next few <laughs> minutes. But uh, yeah, we want to take a look at the uh, fiscalosophy today. And, and we have to uh, understand in that, that each person has their own kind of unique um, perspective on the key aspects of money. Money has different aspects to it. And so we want to kind of unpack that with... Uh, with um, with everybody in regards to kind of the the conversations that help us to un- kind of uncover people's perspectives and, uh, and not only perspective but their comfort level. So perspective in a way that uh, we all are raised differently when it comes to money. So we want to unpack that, and then we also have our current kind of comfort level as well. So we want to take a look at those. Uh, those different aspects. All right, so we'll jump in. We'll start off. I'll start off actually with you with uh, an easy one, All right. uh, only because uh, you, you scored very high on this particular one. Uh, so um, yeah, so here we go. So in the matter of uh, investing, okay, stock market, uh, you learn you lean very much towards the comfortable level, and and 
you know, love investing. I, I guess I would hope so, given uh, given our choice. That's kind of why I thought it was an easy one to start with. Go easy on you. But at the same time, this is where it kind of gets a little bit uh, more uncovering for you. When it comes to savings, you learn towards, you know, accumulating consistently over time. So uh, where a lot of people would be like, hey, let's let's get right into it. I want to invest or even invest later. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, just share with me, you know, how you kind of arrived at those perspectives on, I love investing and how you came to understand that investing is important over time. Yeah. So, I mean, the investing side of it has always been of interest to me. I mean, I went to school for investment management. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's always been something I've been interested in. And it, I mean, I can hearken it back to high school, actually. Um, most people probably did something similar and maybe their economics class or whatever back in high school. But we did like the stock market game, right, where you're given... $10,000 of theoretical money and you get to buy and sell stocks over a six week period type of thing. I did terribly at it, but I enjoyed it, right? It was right. so much fun. And I mean, I was doing that back in 2000, right? 99, 2000, 2001. And so that was the big tech bubble. And so I remember making a whole bunch of money off of eBay at the time when it was first going, or I guess money in quotations. Um, But then also losing just as much in other tech stocks that I was pretty much just randomly picking right right, at the time. Yeah. Um, But again, it just, it's kind of what stirred that interest in in that sort of thing and um, just the whole world of finance and whatnot at that point. The the lessons about saving kind of started shortly thereafter um, when my parents actually introduced me to their advisor at the time um, and just got me on one of those like $25 every other week, just start putting some money aside. And that's when I started learning more about mutual funds and, and different types of investments. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it was it was easy for me to understand um, but also I could see the value in it right and the, the idea of dollar cost averaging and um, it doesn't matter kind of what way the markets are going in the long run as long as you're continuing to put in and accumulate steady over time so again it was it was a lesson from the investing side that was learned I'd still say relatively early as soon as I had any type of income to, to start putting aside and and it's kind of stuck with me throughout right like there's been phases where it's been more and less depending on where I'm at in life but um but yeah it's been one of those things that's it's always I know it's always should be happening in the background and I feel guilty if it's not kind of right (laughs) right right now okay so if I were to flip that around a little bit uh and that is how would Laura answer that same sort of question oh I I don't remember how she answered that question (laughs) um i feel like we were somewhat similar she doesn't she does not care about the investing side of things so on the investing and whatnot um it's just of no interest to her um even though she worked in banking um but uh i think on the saving side of things at least based on the conversations her and i have together i'd say we're somewhat aligned in that we want to be consistently saving money um, putting money aside for for whatever we may need it for in the future. Yeah. So just so you know, full disclosure, her answer was like right down the middle. Of right? course. Right. Right. Right oh. down the middle between <laughs> those two. Uh, two. So that's why I kind of brought that up. So you can see where, you know, your perspective 
Uh, and then hers is, let's say, middle more middle of the ground, which might be she doesn't have an opinion one way or the other. And that's exactly. how you can kind of unpack that a bit. But those are important conversations to have because now as you know, putting on our investment advisor hat for a moment, we can use the information from those discussions to actually help formulate how and where we should be investing your portfolio and and uh, your money is going forward because we have that perspective. You've had some knowledge and some experience, of course, and uh, and now we can kind of formulate what our recommendations are that matches up with your life plan and uh, your financial plan at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's shift it again. So we'll go to another area. Again, you don't know what I'm going to about to ask. <laughs> um, and, uh, but that's another one I want to unpack for you, but then also give um, some perspective to our listeners as well. And that is in the area of, of debt. So you indicated that you're a little bit more uncomfortable. So I'm going to ask the question in such a way that says, well, what would make you more comfortable in regards to the level of debt that you have? Yeah, and actually, um, this one has probably changed since I, I did that original. Um, so I, I did this originally a couple of years ago. We had just bought our house. Like, I think literally, we, I remember sitting in the new living room at that point, kind of going through this. We were maybe a month or two since we had bought the house. And um, I mean, it's a scary feeling, right? Right. And, and uh, like the moment you're in. Um, however, since that time, we've actually been able to pay off considerably more than we originally thought we'd be able to. So where we were at the, at the time is, I think, a very different picture to even where we're at today. Um, we had a line of credit because, again, we had just closed the house and right. kind of some of those miscellaneous items and all of that. Um, and so it was just there was a bunch of little extra things that were that were there and that we didn't know at the time, okay, well, how long is it gonna take us to get rid of this? Um, but if, if I had to re-answer that question now, I'd probably skew more on the comfortable side mm-hmm. um, because again, we've been, we've been very diligent at, at paying it off and, and getting things covered and, and not using additional credit um, for, for whatever we needed around the house. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I remember at the time why I answered how I did. Um, I don't think my, my view of debt has changed. I, am comfortable using debt when it's appropriate. Um, but I'm much more comfortable with where we're at today because we're actually carrying considerably less than we were carrying a couple of years ago. Yeah. This is a really important topic that we need to, um, uncover with clients because what you often will find is um, some people have been raised in such a way that they they absolutely got to be debt free. Mm-hmm. So so do everything to pay down the debt, the mortgage, whatever it might be. Where other people will come in and have the perspective that no, like use debt to your advantage, leverage, right? Leverage allows you, mortgage allows you to get into home ownership. And so they're very comfortable with it. And so you get a much more variance between spouses or partners Mm -hmm. in the areas of debt and having to uncover those types of uh, conversations. And that's where we find a lot of uh, where people need to kind of unpack that, discuss it, but mostly discuss it from the perspective on how they were raised. Mm -hmm. And of course, then that helps us in to, uh, to, uh, customize the advice that we give to people as well in that particular area. For sure. Uh, okay, question number three. 
we're going to go down the children road here. Uh, And and again, it's another good one to kind of unpack because people come at it with different perspectives. So um, when it comes to children, the kind of what we would ask is that that, you know, you want to help your give your kids every advantage to help them versus um, you know, they got to kind of earn their own way. And so this, the same sort of conversations happen in such a way that, well, let's, let's use education as a post-secondary education an example. Some people will say to me, nobody helped me, so I'm not helping my kids. They can figure it out. And We and hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. <laughs> Where the next person might come in and say, yeah, nobody helped me. It was horrible. I had student debt. I'm going to help my kids so they don't have to live the same way I did sort mm-hmm. of thing. And so you get the full spectrum on that so so this is the one area uh for you and laura that you guys actually had a little bit more wider opinion yeah i there. remember so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good so uh you're in in your case you're very comfortable and uh and but in her particular case she was not as comfortable so tell me more kind of in your words uh why the difference in your views yeah and remind me on the actual helping them versus making their own way. Which way did each of us lean? Uh, So you were towards, you leaned towards earn their own way, and she leaned towards giving them every advantage. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I I wanted to double check. (laughs) (laughs) And and again, I think part of that comes with with how each of us were raised again, right? So again, it's it's how we were brought up. my parents helped me through university in our in my first year again kind of covering the bills and whatnot and again that was very much appreciated i probably couldn't have gone otherwise at the time Um, but then it was up to me after that right to work in the summer get osap do the applications um, for those of the listeners who don't know my parents are mission are retired missionaries so um I'm very grateful I got the one year paid for, uh, <laughs> knowing their financial situation, and I'm sure I know they're going to listen. So I, I'm sure they're fine with me saying that. Thank you, mom and dad. Yes, <laughs> um, but I mean, it was good to learn that response. In my opinion, to learn that responsibility, like I was not always the most responsibility with my OSAP money, right? But I know I had to pay it all back at the end of the day, when no matter where it ended up going. Um, and so it, it taught good lessons. Um, and, and so that, that was, that was where my thinking was coming from. Um, whereas Laura, I believe was kind of more towards your second is that she didn't get a ton of help. Um, and so wanted to be able to provide a bit more just to give them more opportunities or more, uh, potential to do things that they may want to do. Um, and, and again, like we're looking at it from a, a, a case of education, but there's a lot of other ways you can help kids, right? And the Absolutely. big one also now is down payments and, and buying houses, buying homes, right? And yep. I just had this conversation with, with some people last week of how on earth their teenage kids are ever going to be able to put a down payment on a house or anything like that and, and potentially setting aside hundreds of thousands of dollars to give to their kids at some point out of their plan to make that happen. And again, it's not everybody's always aligned when when you're talking about especially those types of sums of money either, right? So, um, but yeah, I think from our, from our perspective, again, at the time, we were just getting started with, 
Alex's RESP and getting those savings going. Again, we've now bumped that up a couple of times since we've done that. So I think, again, we would more both be on the more comfortable sp side of that spectrum. But again, it goes to show the importance of having these conversations so right. that you know where to make changes, right? And so everything we've done over the last couple of years, because I think there's probably going to be one more that might come up, has been to make ourselves more comfortable with what we wanted to achieve or what our views were. We've kind of pinpointed the areas where we were leaning more towards the uncomfortable side of things and targeted that as, hey, we're gonna, this is where we want to make changes. Right, right. All right. Those were the ones I had for you. Oh. I, maybe I'm going a little easy on you at this point. Well, in time, okay. Well, and I'll, I'll bring up the one because it was my most uncomfortable mm -hmm. was on the area of giving. Right. And again, with the time. We had I didn't want to make you feel guilty. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, but at the time, again, we had just moved. Budget was really tight. So yeah. we had to cut off, cut some of our cash flow outflows at the time. Um, but again, it's been something that has actually just come up recently within the last two to three weeks even um, in conversations of, hey, we know we've got some extra wiggle room in the budget. This is something that both of us kind of indicated was important to us at the time. Um, so let's revisit. Let, I think it's time to revisit that. So again, it's still something that nothing has necessarily changed to this point so i would still be on the uncomfortable end of that spectrum um but but it's something that again we're in the midst of that's kind of the next thing we're looking at making adjustments to or tweaks to um from our budget um so again now we've kind of got the debt figured out and that's we're both really comfortable with where that is we're comfortable with what we're setting aside for the kids and regular savings um, and so now we can revisit, okay, where do we want to allocate some of some additional funds um, to the giving side? And again, how can we incorporate the family as a whole and bring everybody together and get everybody involved? Um, because I know, especially for Laura, like teaching the kids these sorts of lessons early, like they're through almost four and two, um, but teaching them, hey, you got to work for your allowance. And if you if they go to the store, they get their money. And if they spend it, that's it, right? Like yeah. you, you, you decide what you're going to spend your money on, and that's it. Um, so again, we're trying to instill those responsible values um, in them, and it goes right back to that how you were raised, right? Hundred percent so true. We're we're trying to to emulate our our views still to our kids as well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I had a conversation with a client last week, and they're just trying to figure out a way to give more, actually. Mm -hmm. And because, again, like you said, that's how they were raised. They were raised to always give a portion of what they earned, mm -hmm. and they want to take that into their adulthood, even though there's lots of things to spend money on and or invest or whatever. Uh, they still want to make sure that there's a perspective there of, of giving and an increased giving over time. So very important. You know, there's a book... Um, uh, that came out many years ago. It's called The Five Love Languages, and it's, uh, it helps people to kind of communicate based on how your, your partner would want to receive uh, the language of mm -hmm. love, right? Um, what we're talking about here is really kind of the what I would call the wealth languages. Mm -hmm. How do we speak in a wealth perspective when it comes to these various areas, whether it's savings or debt or children or retirement, all these different uh, money components that we need to consider. We all have, we all come to it with our own 
wealth language. And this is a great tool that allows us to kind of unpack that, get an understanding of your perspective, your history, and how you got to this point, but also how you communicate it and what your current comfort level is as well. So hopefully today our listeners got a good taste of that and got a good feel of the, the need for this and, and what kind of gets unpacked in that stage of the of the process that we take people through. So today yeah. was the fiscalosophy. Exactly. Hopefully they can see, again, why it's important, um, but why it's different too, right? Like these are not the conversations you that we typically hear clients are having with, with other people or if we meet somebody new, right? It, when we're asking these questions, like it's usually the first time they've been asked some of these questions, maybe their entire life, right? Even amongst themselves, they haven't even had these conversations. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's really the the importance behind it. And uh, and again, you can we we have some fun with it. There's typically always some some good spreads between spouses and. Um, and again, it, it's, it's usually a, a really good way for us to get to know somebody. Um, and again, why we do this early on in the process. Um, but again, as we demonstrated today, why it's important to kind of revisit these results and these tools um, every couple of years. Again, especially as you begin to implement and go through the financial plan that we build, um, you want to see these comfort levels improving. Um, you want to see, again, other metrics improving so that you can really see that progress being made at the yeah. same time. Well said. Thanks for tuning in to Your Life and Money. We hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at advice-first.ca. Remember, financial planning is about more than just money. It's about living the life you want. So take some time to reflect on your goals and priorities and let us help you create a plan that aligns with your vision for the future. We'll be back with more stories, insights, and strategies to help you get the most out of your money and your life. Until then, take care and keep planning for the life you deserve. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.